Hey everyone, welcome to the Prince of Peace podcast, where our aim is to help you live and love like Jesus. I'm Lauren Hlaud, one of the pastors of Prince of Peace. We're glad that you're here and we hope you enjoy. This week's sermon was preached by Pastor Jonathan Eilert, and he began exploring the first of three temptations that we are looking at through this season of Lent, the temptation of appetite, uh, those things in our life that we try to fill ourselves with the way that we're always hungry for more. So I hope you get something out of this week's sermon and that you have a great week. Grace, peace, and joy be unto you from God the Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. As I said earlier, the second week of our journey, and we turn our attention now after the baptism of Jesus to this time that Jesus spends in the wilderness and the temptations that the the devil tempts him with during his time there. And again, you notice a kind of a short section of the story for today because we're going to be taking these temptations one at a time. Uh, But I'm going to begin today with some teaching, and I forgot to tell you, you guys might want to go down because there's going to be stuff up on the screen here in a minute. Um, We're going to be doing a little bit of teaching to to step back and look at the big picture of the story and how it it sets, um, how the beginning of the story and how it begins with Jesus' baptism, how that, that informs how it is that we hear the story of these three temptations of Jesus. And we're going to start with Um, one of our triangles again, and this is a triangle we often use for teaching about discipleship here at Prince of Peace. We talk about how we're called to live up in relationship to God, in in relationship to each other, and to live out in relationship to our service in the world, that we look for these balanced lives of discipleship um, and the ways that uh, we live out our following of Jesus. But there are other things that we stick on triangles around here as well, and one of them has to do with baptism that we focused on last week. This covenant that God makes with us in our baptism as God claims us as God's own through that act. And in that, that, that uh, baptism, the Father gives us an identity as he does in Jesus. He says, you are my beloved, my child. With you I am well pleased. God gives us this identity as God's children. And then in response to that identity, we live out in obedience. Now, we look at that, you'll see the little arrows around the edge of the triangle. That's because that's really important because so often what we do is we try to turn those arrows around in the other direction because we think God's going to work like so many things in the world work that we have to somehow earn our identity through our obedience. So I'll be obedient to the Father, and if, if I'm obedient enough, if I do enough good works, if I do enough good things in the world, well, then God will say, I'm well pleased with you. You're my child because of the good things that you've done. But we know that the covenant with God in our baptism works the other way. While we are but infants, God puts this blessing upon us and calls us beloved at the very beginning of our lives. While we were yet sinners, says St. Paul, Christ lays that blessing upon us And then we do anything we do in this life in response to what God has first done for us in Jesus. That's the way that this works. And so that understanding of how we live in obedience uh, becomes so important as we think about how we live out our lives of discipleship in the world. And we think about our identity as baptized children. 
And it's important because another triangle that we can look at on the other side of Scripture, and we often talk about Scripture as being both um, the, the covenant and the kingdom, that there's this covenant that God makes with us, but then we're called into this kingdom work. And so here we see the king at the, the top of the pyramid here um, who gives us authority in that identity that we have, and then through that authority we act in God's power in the world. But again, it's so important to remember the way that the, the arrows move on this triangle because anything that we do in power in this world is given to us by the, through the power of the Spirit through our identity as these beloved children of God. So it's not things that we do in power that give us authority, which again is how the, the, the world works far too often. That we claim some kind of power, that we amass some kind of power, and because of the power we have, therefore we give, we're given authority over others in the world. But for God, it is this, this act of, of claiming us in our baptism that we have this seal placed upon us, and then it's not the things that we do that we get all built up because we've done something amazing and, and we're just these awesome, awesome people that, that deserve all kinds of accolades. No, it's God working through us. That the good that we do in this world is a sign of God working in us, not that, that we should be puffed up in some way. Um, again, very important when we think about the kind of mindset we're to have as we do the kingdom work of God in the world. And this all plays into then this temptation narrative that happens with Jesus and the devil um, in the wilderness. Because the devil wants Jesus to mix those triangles up. Um, the devil wants to take away this, this, this beautiful way of Jesus understanding his identity and his authority in the world to act in power, to begin to unleash God's kingdom in the world as he has proclaimed himself to, to be the one to bring God's kingdom into the world. The devil wants to thwart that work. And we see that happening in these three temptations of Jesus. And we talk about them in three different ways, through the temptation for appetite, for ambition, and for approval. And today we're going to focus in on appetite, but again I want us to, to think about all three of these together for a moment as we, we think about what the devil was trying to do to Jesus out there in the desert. When we think about these three temptations, we think of them as prototypes for so much of the temptation that we face in our lives. And we can lay again over top of these um, several words that uh, are good words in our culture. Uh, the words of abundance, of staking our claim, of the power of the individual. When we think about our culture here in the United States, and these are all good words and things, foundations upon which our culture have been established over the years, that we know that God has blessed us with an abundance of opportunities and resources here in our country, and it's something we celebrate. And the opportunity as individuals to, to, to be able to partake of these things that are part of the abundance has been something that, that we have celebrated through over the years in the, as we've uh, established our culture here in the United States. And part of that has been this opportunity to stake your claim. We think back to the frontier days of our country where the rugged individual can go out into the, the wilderness and stake their claim and begin to build their own life upon the, the work that they do. And then we have this at the top, this, this 
the individual and the, the, the importance that we place on our ability to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, all those kinds of slogans that we have as a culture, the rugged individual that I, I just was talking about, all of these signs and symbols that we place on the importance of the individual and their ability to make a way for themselves in this world. These are all these foundational things that, that are good, that have helped us to become the great nation that we are. But they all have a shadow side as well. When we think about how it is that uh, this gets lived out in, in our, our culture, it leads to things like consumerism when we talk about our appetite. It leads to competitiveness when we're dealing with our ambition. And we also think about celebrity as we seek God's approval and we see this emphasis on the individual get out of sorts and overblown. So all three of these become issues that we're continually dealing with in our daily lives and they get in the way of our ability to live out that covenant relationship God has established to get into that kingdom work to which we are called. So today we're going to focus in on appetite and think a bit about how it is that we deal with this issue of appetite on a regular basis in our daily lives. And this beginning one, it's, it's no mistake, I think, that appetite is the first one because in some ways it's the least complex of the three but if the devil can get us at that very beginning place of our appetite, then we don't even, he doesn't even need to do a lot of work around the other two because our appetites can be all-consuming for us and, and take us down and limit our ability to be effective workers for God in the, the vineyard before we even get started. And so when we think about our appetite... We think about how the, the devil tempted Jesus to turn those stones into bread, and he, of course, knows that Jesus is hungry, like we are hungry. And he knows that if he can get us to allow our appetites to control us, then we lose control over so much else. And we think about the temptations that we face every day in our culture. Our, our appetites can be satisfied in so many ways and with so many things. And then the base way we think about this is just we start with food, right? That, that hunger that is that base appetite. I was talking last night, uh, we, we were with some friends this weekend, and, and one of our friends, we love to give a hard time for his appetite. We uh, do, uh, our kids are involved in show choir, and uh, this friend had this job that was kind of an easy one at a competition we hosted here in Loveland, and he had to sit as a hall monitor and wait as groups were coming and going, but that meant he had... 10 or 15 minutes every, uh, every half hour where he was just sitting idly. And he knew that the, the little lounge area that we had was constantly being stocked with new food by, by folks as they were bringing food for us that were working in the background. And invariably, every time we went into that break room, there was J.D. sitting there eating whatever new had come into the room. And as he sat there in that chair, he couldn't help himself with a walk down that hallway again and check out what new little treat might have been there. Our appetites are, are, so, um, uh, are such a force in our lives, and our culture just offers us continually a smorgasbord of options to fill our appetites. I was telling the story as well of this last week I went to the, the store to, to buy deodorants, and I always buy the same deodorant, but I was looking at it, I was taking it off the shelf, I'm like, 
this is more expensive than some of the other kinds. I really ought to just buy one of the cheaper ones. And so then I went down into the rabbit hole of trying to select a different deodorant from this wall of options that was before me. And I probably stood there for five minutes trying to figure out what in the heck I was going to buy. And I finally just got too overwhelmed and bought, grabbed what I usually bought and went on my way, even though it was a more expensive option. We can get so overwhelmed by options and options and options. And we think back to that video, that somewhat disturbing video that we watched to begin our worship for today. And there was a jarring nature to that song, which of course was part of the attempt to think about how we can get so overwhelmed by the things that our culture puts in front of us to satisfy all of our appetites that threaten to consume us as we live our lives out as consumers. And so it really only takes one appetite out of control at our place of greatest vulnerability to throw our whole lives into chaos. So where is your greatest point of vulnerability in terms of your appetite? Which appetite is the most difficult for you to manage? And do you invite God into that struggle through prayer? Do you admit that you have vulnerability and invite others to help you manage the places in your life where you struggle? Because the devil doesn't want you to bring any struggle out into the light of day. If the devil can keep that in the dark, the devil can continue to turn you against yourself, which limits our ability to allow God's love and mercy and God's work to flow through us. One of the ways that the church has addressed this in this season of Lent over the centuries is through the Lenten discipline of, of fasting and, as we've always said, giving something up for Lent. And that tradition came into place in the ancient days as a way of coming at those things that threatened to consume us from somewhat of a sideways angle. The church fathers would say, get at something small in your life, Get at one of those little things in your life, like maybe your inability to walk past the chocolate dish. If you can get at one of those small things in your life, then you can have the ability to get at the bigger things in your life. Get control of something small so you can get control of the big things. And so this was a discipline that, that was started to help us to think about our appetites as we think about how it is that we can control them and then allow God's work to become preeminent in our lives instead of whatever it is that is consuming us again and again and again. And so we begin with this first temptation of Jesus as he deals with the issue of appetite. Again, as we think about how it is that we are to be freed for that kingdom work from these issues that, that threaten to overtake us. And it's all a part of living out this covenant identity as we seek to, to act in response to what God has first done in us, and to remember that what God does in our baptism, what God does in this covenant is God fills us. And the devil wants us to believe that we are in fact empty inside, that we need to fill ourselves that it's up to us to, to, to somehow satisfy ourselves, but it's not 
about ourselves. It's about God working through us. That's the gift. That is the freedom. We don't have to do this work on our own to somehow make ourselves up into some kind of a God on our own because God is already in us through our baptism. God has filled us in our baptism. And we are freed through that covenant to then embrace the kingdom work that is before us. And when this happens, these issues of appetite, ambition, and approval, and the way that they get twisted around in our lives, well, they get twisted into these beautiful gifts then. Then our appetites become fruitfulness. As we're filled with God, we're able to to see those, those gifts of God bubbling up and pouring out of our lives as we live our lives in discipleship. And our ambition gets turned into mission as we, as we are sent into the world and we recognize that it's not about us, it's about God working through us and, our, and partaking in that mission, sharing in God's mission in the world. And it all becomes then a part of a movement in the world. A movement of moving away from our self-centeredness, our turned in on our selfness that is our sin, to be freed to love and to serve as God calls us to do. But it begins with our appetite. And as we uh, conclude today, I want to read to you and share a prayer with you. That is Luther's prayer for the end of the day. And I think it's a, a wonderful prayer to help us think about how we daily return to God to fill ourselves up with God so that we are not overcome with our appetites and instead we are freed to serve in the name of Jesus in the world. Let us pray. I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have graciously kept me this day, and I pray that you would forgive me all my sins where I have done wrong and graciously keep me into the night. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and my soul and all that I am. Let your holy angels be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Prince of Peace podcast. I hope that today's message has brought comfort and inspiration to your life. Have a great rest of the week.